0: Welcome to this podcast of the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd in Venice, Florida. Today is the second Sunday after Epiphany, and you will hear Father Joe Hudson preach on John 1. As you listen, see if you can answer these questions. The questions 1. Why were people gathered to listen to Jesus? 2. What are the memories of childhood that John the Baptist might have had? And what did he think when he saw Jesus? And three, why did John's words, behold the Lamb, what did they mean to the Jews?
1: The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to John. Praise John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples as he watched Jesus walk by. He acclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translates translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus and looked at him and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord
2: Christ in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Twice John made the statement Look, the Lamb of God. We'll get to that in a second. The Passion of Jesus Christ. You see, in Christian theology, it refers to Jesus' last days on earth, of his arrest, trial, and final excruciating suffering. And yet, if we limit our understanding of the Passion to the suffering endured 2,000 years ago to a certain Palestinian Jew named Jesus of Nazareth, we miss the deep mystery and wonder and grace that is experienced when we truly understand the full meaning of the suffering of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ was more than a Jew from Nazareth. He was and is the eternal Christ, the divine one. When we speak of the passion of Christ, we are referring to the suffering of God. Today's gospel speaks to this reality. And when we truly understand the passion of God, we understand our own suffering just a little bit better. Let me set the scene for you that day. John the Baptist was standing in the Jordan River as a multitude of people flocked to hear him and to be baptized. Some were there looking for someone to heal their broken body. Some were there longing for a mighty king. Some just wanted somebody, anybody, just to scratch their itching curiosity. While others were there begging for forgiveness and redemption, still others were spiritually hungry for truth and just a glimpse of the glory of God. Most in the crowd were Jews, having grown up in the Jewish culture and the Jewish religion, Being Jewish meant a rigorous adherence to physical, moral, and spiritual purity before a holy God. And to maintain that purity, they would annually make a pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, Kippurim meaning cleansing. It was a day set aside annually to atone for any misdeeds and become cleansed and purified from sins. In preparation for that day of atonement, they would fast from food and abstain from ordinary work. They would come to the temple where burnt offerings were given to the Lord, offerings of a year-old bull, one ram, seven male lambs, and one male goat as a sacrifice for sin. As these faithful Jews approached John the Baptist in the Jordan River that day, they heard him proclaiming a baptism of repentance from sin Just the right message to tug at their yearning souls. It was no wonder that John was popular with the masses. The people were acutely aware of their need for cleansing from sin, and John was there ready to offer them that cleansing. Today's gospel begins with these words. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him. Imagine yourself as John the Baptist that day watching the crowd of people coming down the hillside to be baptized, some by themselves, others in groups. The procession had been going on and on for several exhausting days. Suddenly, you recognize a man in the crowd, a man that you had first encountered many, many years earlier, In fact, your first encounter with this man was 30 years earlier when you were still a fetus in your mother Elizabeth's womb. Oh, of course you have no memory of that encounter. But your mother had often repeated the story, a story that had become a part of the family's lore, part of their strong identity, the story which is now seared in your memory. Your mother Elizabeth had been carrying your tiny, frail body deep within her womb When her cousin Mary, pregnant as well at the time, arrived at your house for a visit, you still hear your mother's excited, passionate voice telling how on that day, as a little fetus, you had jumped for joy in your mother's womb at the presence of your cousin Jesus, who was himself still just an embryo in Mary's belly. Over the years, as John had encountered Jesus many times, Spending various feast days together with your parents, John treasured those memories when both families would relax in the evening around a warm fire, Mary recounting occasionally the miraculous stories of the prophet's words, the dreams, and the angelic visitation. And apart from the stories of Jesus' miraculous birth and the significance of his future life and ministry, John had always sensed that there was something special about Jesus. Well, it had been 30 years since that first in utero encounter. And here was John, standing in the Jordan River, looking up to see Jesus standing there. Once again, just like that first encounter so many, many years ago, John's soul snapped to attention And again, leapt for joy at the presence of Jesus. What was John thinking that day as he saw Jesus coming towards him? What would his first words be to the masses as he pointed Jesus out in the crowd? Maybe he was ready to shout out, Behold the great teacher who will reveal to you the way of life. Or maybe he was getting ready to say, Behold the mighty prophet, who will proclaim God's kingdom of love. Or maybe he would say, behold, the mighty healer, or behold, the compassionate one full of grace and mercy. Yes, all of those things true. But none of those statements came from John's lips that day as he introduced Jesus to the crowd. John was preparing to establish the meaning of Jesus' ministry. As Jesus approached him that day, John did not shout any of those things. Instead, John spoke a deeper truth, a deeper reality. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. The people must have immediately recognized the connection of John's words to Yom Kippur sacrifices. Lambs that were sacrificed on that day, sin atoned for. Jesus, the man John was pointing out, was God's lamb, the one sacrificed for sins. What a way to begin a ministry. Jesus' ministry was ultimately about his suffering and sacrificial death. His ministry began not with a reference to his teaching or healing or compassion or any such amazing realities of his life and ministry. No, Jesus' ministry began with a solemn proclamation from his cousin John that he was God's sacrifice, God's lamb offered up to suffering and death for the cleansing of the nations. John further said in the gospel, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he actually was before me. What does that mean? Well, John is hinting of Jesus' true inner identity. He is speaking of ancient origins hidden deep within Jesus. Not only was John referring to Jesus as God's suffering one, but also of Jesus' preexistence. John had been born six months before Jesus, and yet, here John was telling us that Jesus was before John. And then, to make this whole mystery a little bit clearer, two verses later, John refers to Jesus as God's chosen one, as the Son of God. Well, in Christian theology, Jesus is spoken of as the Son of God, The eternal word made flesh. Divinity dwelt in humanity in the body of Jesus. And yet suffering and death was also central to the life of Jesus. The Nicene Creed tells us this. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. God from God, light from true light, true God from true God. And then we recite this. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, suffered death, and was buried. Our Christian theology speaks of the divinity resident in Jesus. But it also speaks of the suffering and death of Jesus. As Christians, we explore the mystery of the suffering and death of this God-man, the passion of the divine human one. This is one of the greatest mysteries of our faith, that God took on human flesh, and by doing so, accepted the inevitability of experiencing suffering. You see, God chose and still chooses to intimately identify with our struggles, with our pain, with our heartache, with our suffering. This holds deep meaning for us. As people of faith, when we suffer, when we struggle, when we are challenged in some mysterious, intimate way, we are identifying with Jesus' suffering. And Jesus is identifying with us. You and I struggle and suffer because even Jesus, the eternal Christ, suffered as well. You see, suffering is a part of our path through this life, and yet we walk this sometimes suffering path, knowing that Jesus, the Christ, walked this path as well. There is great comfort in knowing that we do not walk those occasional dark places alone. God, the sacrificial lamb, walked this suffering path as well. And God continues to walk this path with us. Amen.
0: The questions, one. Why were people gathered to listen to Jesus? Two, what are the memories of childhood that John the Baptist might have had? And what did he think when he saw Jesus? And three, why did John's words, behold the Lamb, what did they mean to the Jews?